First thing that happens is the world goes black. You just hear a little snap when your neck rolls back. You don't bite your tongue off or foam at the lips. And before you hit the ground, there's a moment of bliss. It's like token a spliff. It's like shedding your skin. It's better than the best train wreck there's ever been. You have to let it in, as much as it's upsetting. To wake up with bruises you don't remember getting. You don't remember how the hell you ended up indoors. You don't Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Clock Epilepticus, with test subject Micah B. The salty, slightly cynical account of Micah's shocking diagnosis with epilepsy. The synaptic jolts that shorts circuited his world and efforts to rewire his mind and create a new life. Oh, and he's going to have brain surgery. And now, Seizure Salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah B-Side. Hello, hello, and thanks for joining us once again here on Seizure Salad. I'm Micah B-Side, your host. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Claudia from Craniosacral Therapy. Would you like to hear more about craniosacral therapy? And if that's... I would definitely like to hear more about it. Yeah. So, cerebral spinal fluid, as you know, probably, um, but we'll just talk about it just briefly. It encircles the brain. It's made and filtered out. It's filtered out of the blood, but there's more of it than is accounted for by the filtering. So that's believed to be manufactured as well in the ventricles in your brain as well as at a couple of spots along your spine, particularly lower down. Um, and the cerebral spinal fluid itself um, looks a lot like water, has a consistency of water, but it has a super high mineral content and it's believed to be extra conductive. I don't know if there is something more conductive than water, but it's a specially conductive fluid. So one thought is that it, this is the means by which the brain actually communicates with the nervous system or receives communications from the nervous system because it doesn't just go one way. Um, so this is the medium of existence in my the way I look at things. Um, it pulsates at a rhythm. Well, it has a couple of different rhythms. Um, there's one that is just a circulating rhythm, but there's another rhythm that you can feel that is um, long. It's about 52 seconds in one direction, and then there's a pause and another 52 seconds. I've never counted out the seconds, but I, I believe it. <laughs> it's been documented by many people, and, and I usually get too absorbed in what I'm doing to be watching the clock. But it is um, kind of an expansion feeling and a contraction feeling. Um, and we're trained to sense that. And if that is not moving well, I mean, it it has to be moving or you'd be dead. I mean, it's called primary respiration. It's called the breath of life um, by different practitioners. Um, and, you know, underneath, we don't really know what makes your lungs breathe. You're kind of being breathed, right? And your heart follows an electrical signal, but where's that coming from? So, um, so there's this belief in our approach that we are even deeper than our lungs and deeper than our heart. Um, we are being breathed, kind of blown up and squeezed down. Um, by whatever you want to call it you know some people will say god i say the great woo woo um you know the organizing principle of the universe um and it's true not just of humans it's true of animals it's true of plants um and it's true of the electromagnetic field that surrounds the earth so if you look at the torus which is physical and chemical it's a thing um it's a do you know what a torus is i don't want to 
Um, but it's like a, um, a map of the electromagnetic field of the planet. You could call it the planet's aura if you wanted to. And every okay, living I know what you mean, yeah. has yeah. this. Um, and, um, well, you know, some people just call it the field. Um, but that pulsates at that same rhythm. So being able to work in being able to move yourself the most inmost layer of your fluids and your cells, intracellular fluid, uh, intercellular fluid, um, having it all kind of flow at that pay, that um, cadence um, puts you in alignment with all of creation, basically. So, um, and not that everybody is pulsating exactly at the same, like you're going out when someone, everyone's going out at the same time or going in at the same time, but it is still a, a pattern that is the pattern of living things. And when that stops, you die. And if you're not dead, okay. Um, so I love what you were saying about how basically your levels are good. You're in great shape, you know, there's always more health in everybody's system than not. You could have stage four cancer and be dying tomorrow, and there's still more health in your system than not, or else you would be dead today. So, you know, so that is something that, um, you know, we work on amplifying that health, finding that health, amplifying it and smoothing out the way that this central core of your nervous system operates. Um, so it's, you know, I might work on someone's feet. I might work from there initially. Um, I often do that when someone has stuff going on with their head. Um, you know, I often start as far away as possible. And um, especially if I don't know the person. And then I work up along the spine. Um, and before I get to the head, sometimes in the first session, I might not even get to the head. Um, but I'm really finding what's, you know, what the nervous system has to say for itself. Um, and it's believed that epilepsy can be triggered by, or some forms of it can be caused by um, constrictions in the meninges, which is the gap between your brain and your skull, which is full of that cerebral spinal fluid. So you can think of that as the cushion. So if you whack your head, you don't completely bash your brain up against the skull. You have a pillow there. And um, so it's believed that there may be constrictions there. There may be constrictions in the dura, which... Um, it's the code. It's in between your brain and that gap. Um, it's also the lining of your spinal cord. So the, the cerebral spinal fluid goes into, you have a tube that circles your cord and in it's two layers deep. It's two, it's not very wide, but the cerebral spinal fluid goes through that. It is pierced by all those major nerve ganglia. So um, the fluid actually does flow out a little bit um, it's very dangerous to have a serious leak in your in your spinal cord, but it does leak. It leaks out through all those little nerve travels out. So it's not just contained in this one space. And um, there's a lot of evidence, for example, dementia um, seems to be correlated with people who have lost, as you age, you lose 
a significant proportion um, of your cerebral spinal fluid volume and strength. So um, when you sleep late at night, you have something called glymph, which is like lymph, only it comes out through the glial cells in your brain. Um, and it joins in with the lymph system um, and the cerebral spinal fluid system. So if you don't have, and it only happens during this deep, deep sleep, like post REM sleep. Um, and if you don't have that clearing out, um, there's a belief that that is, and you know, there's studies on this, but I don't think it's firmly established yet. But the talk about dementia and Alzheimer's, et cetera, is that the glymph isn't moving right it's not clearing out people so the debris and the crap is building up in people's brains um so that is a really powerful and important thing that i think um craniosacral fluid can i mean craniosacral therapy can can contribute to that smoother movement um better sleep um, more relaxation in general more calming of the nervous system um, there's something called a still point induction um, where we hold the back of the head and just wait <laughs> um it's a very gentle tender caress it's not even caressing because i'm not moving my hands but it's like holding a newborn baby um and you know holding their head and of course when we were newborns or fetuses that's about probably the our our peak health <laughs> um before the world started happening to us you know and we started getting you know we talk about a blueprint which is how we're designed and you know some of us do have genetic blueprints that are you know not as optimal as others um but still um and then there's the imprint which is the shit that happens you know and we manage it to the best we can and we need to be grateful to um our system for however it did manage it you know because it was doing what it could do you know i worked on somebody who had a subdural hematoma not when i was working on her she had recovered but her this whole back of her skull had had um shifted so she had it on the right and it had shifted to the left and isn't that brilliant you know because she would have died um you know there was this pressure the brain needed more room the skull made room um but it hadn't gone back so you know so my conversation with the body which, which is a little woo woo is you know um well this is thank you you did a great job you saved her life this is exactly what you're supposed to do. But here's the midline of her brain. You know, if you look, we all human beings, like um, many other creatures on this planet, but not all of them, are bilateral. So we have a seam down the middle of our body, um, front and back, and um, that is our midline. And, you know, so I stay in contact with that middle place um, and say, you know, you're way over here. Is this where you want to be? Do you still need to be over here? You know, and it's really interesting you can feel it happen sometimes in your hands boom it just slides back over um, just by being reminded of what health looks like being thanked for the great job that it did um, you know yeah. and being reminded where you know the orientation points are you know and it will just go oh okay you're right I don't I don't need to be over here, um, you know, so that's a very, like, I would call that gross in the sense that it's a large, I'm not manipulating, I'm not pushing, 
inviting. Um, and but it's a very gross movement that happens, you know, a very large, it's not as subtle as maybe changing the electrical patterning. But um, so anyway, it's believed some people who work with epilepsy and craniosacral therapy believe that there are constrictions in the meninges um, or in the dura that are contributing to maybe the spring buildup that you're talking about. Um, I don't know that. Um, I don't have enough experience doing it. I don't with that particular issue. And it could be that for some seizure-like disorders, that is the cause. Um, but certainly clearing that stuff out would be helpful, um, regardless of that, whether it's causing it. Regardless um, of the origin, the, the tool. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and okay, so the still point induction is super relaxing. So sometimes the person will go to sleep, sometimes they'll just lie there and drift. Um, and um, it's more relaxing than anything else I've ever experienced. Um, so one of the one there is a guy and I can find the link for you who um, was very skeptical. Um, he was a doctor and he had some exposure to osteopathy, which is the origin of craniosacral therapy. And, but he was skeptical of that it would help with epilepsy. And he was a neurologist, I believe, um, still is. But he so he did these studies with this particular school of craniosacral therapy that is not exactly what I practice, but they're not totally they're pretty close. Um, but he did um, some EEGs with people who were having a session, and he found that the places that were active for them um, in um, seizures calmed really there was a significant calming of electrical activity in those areas during during the treatment um so you know whether that extends to you leave you drive home you know somebody cuts you off in traffic and the stress builds and you know um but during that time so now he he then went and became a craniosacral therapist um and um and he has an eeg and he machine and he hooks people up he hooks epileptic patients up to it while he does the sessions so there is some evidence it seems that whether it it doesn't there's no claim that it fixes epilepsy um but that it can at least begin to teach the brain how to calm down in that place um, you know, and I believe that the more something is done, the more it becomes the norm. So you're doing this breath work and that changes things. And the more you do it, the more changed you are. Um, so I think this is the case with craniosacral therapy in any kind of chronic disease. But I would say with epilepsy, there's hope there, you know, I mean, right. but it wouldn't be like one session and done. Um, I have no idea how many sessions it would take. But in general, I always say to people that craniosacral therapy is like in it's like psychotherapy only for like the total inside, like the cells and the, you know, and you wouldn't quit psychotherapy because it didn't work in a one or two times. And, um, you know, and often when you start to feel better in psychotherapy, that's the best time to double down and have more sessions. Mm -hmm. And I try to say that to people too. I'm not just here to like take your money every week, but it helps to do it more regularly. <laughs> right. You don't, you don't go to a gym and like work out right. for a week and expect to be like right. Atlas exactly. now. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is a very subtle inner process. Um, but I will tell you, um, I have not actually worked with someone with epilepsy that I know of, except there was one woman who came to me because she was having severe vertigo to the point where she could not drive. 
And what I noticed in her head all the time. Yeah, was um, so I had my hands at the back of her head. I noticed that the left occipital lobe was not signaling to me. There was I couldn't get a. It was just dead. Um, And um, I was very worried about her. I thought maybe she should. she, you know, she needed to get scanned for a tumor or whatever. But anyway, the ultimate diagnosis with her was vestibular migraine, which some people believe is a form of epilepsy. And her doctor suggested to her that it was. And vestibular migraine does not necessarily have the headache or some of the other things. It may have the aura and some of those things, which are similar, right? Are they not to what goes on with epilepsy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, migraine, migraine um, there's actually a type of seizure that specifically surrounds migraines. Yeah, yeah, and I believe that there's a connection. I believe there's a connection with bipolar also, but but in any case, um, they moved away from exploring that uh, epilepsy bipolar co- connection, but it's just too fishy that the drugs work and... and this is to my sick kids. Time to flip this shit. Depakote, Adderall, Ritalin, Pixie Sticks. I don't give a fuck what you're riding to the setting sun. Use it as a weapon when it's said and done. Seizure Salad, Foster Cluck Epilepticus is produced and hosted by Michael Ball. The song Seizure Boy, courtesy of Watsky and used with permission. Find more great music and poetry on his website, georgewatsky.com. Original logo painting by Brent Olson of Olson Studios. High-resolution MRI image of Micah's brain provided by the Rockstar Lab Techs at UC Health Neurology in Denver. Follow our podcast, like our Facebook page, whatever floats your boat. Just keep listening and join us again soon for another episode of Seizure Salad. Until then, unexpect the expected and remember that it's all in your head. You ever had a grand mal seizure in gym class? That whiplash back when life was dishing out pink slaps? Fed up and we've all been better, but I'm set to step up. Never let up because the fall is just a setup now to get up. Regret will never get the better of me with the sawed off. When I'm having trouble talking, someone knocks my writer's block off. And if my eyes glaze and my knees drift south, and you ever think to stick a credit card in my mouth, I take MasterCard and Visa for my risk rewards. I'm not biting my tongue. Why don't you bite yours? It's all too much.